Good evening, Grace Bible Church. Sorry you have me again. I'm sorry. We're going to talk about anxiety today. I'm anxious because of, it's warm in here. <laughs> sweating and sweating. And, well, anyways, the respectable sin of anxiety. You'll see if you go to the next slide, it says the respectable sin of anxiety. A plane full of passengers was flying on an unusual journey. There was a sudden strong turbulence, and everyone was frightened. Some were even saying what they thought would be their last prayers. A man sighted a boy aged about 10 years, calmly seated and very relaxed. He curiously asked him, son, you seem not to be bothered by what is happening. The boy responded, yes, I am not, because my dad is the pilot, an experienced one, and I definitely know that I will be safe. The man was surprised at the courage and confidence of the young boy. He thought for a moment about what the boy had said and then remembered he actually had a greater father in heaven, just like you and me. This is what real trust looks like. But to really trust, we need to really know. And to really know, we need to really spend time getting to know our God. This is how God wants us to trust Him when we are afraid, when we are anxious. He wants us not to worry, but according to 1 Peter 5, 7, to cast all our anxieties upon him because he cares for us. All right, let's close us in prayer. <laughs> in a nutshell, yeah. That, let me start by defining our terms here for the sake of time and efficiency and because fear, anxiety, and worry are terms that really describe something very similar. We will focus on anxiety as the overarching term. Before I get into the matter at hand, perhaps you're curious as of why I called the message the respectable sin of anxiety. Well, it was not me. I wish it was me because it's a smart way of putting it. Unfortunately, but rather was Jerry Bridges in his magnum opus, Respectable Sins, where he addresses sins that we have normally normalized in our churches, sins that have become so common that they are now respectable among which we can find pride, self-control, and our little friend today, anxiety. Have you ever felt anxious about something? I'm sure you have, or you are, or you will be. Maybe there was a time when you found yourself biting your fingernails be before a major exam, or you had acid reflux all night long because of the result of some labs, or you were so worried of being caught so bad that you suffered a terrible stomach ache. Or you overate so as to help you forget what is troubling your mind. Well, if you ever felt a little anxiety, a lot of anxiety, or if you are one of those supermen and superwomen that have never felt anxious, but that are only interested in the topic on behalf of a friend, <laughs> you know who they are, then this message is for you. Let us define... According to the world, 
the word anxiety. According to the American Psychological Association, anxiety, and I quote, is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. People with anxiety disorders usually have recurring intrusive thoughts or concerns. They may avoid certain situations out of worry. They may also have physical symptoms such as sweating, trembling, dizziness, or a rapid heartbeat. Anxiety, the quote still going on, is not the same as fear, but they are often used interchangeably. Anxiety, they say, is considered a future-oriented, long-acting response broadly focused on a diffuse threat, whereas fear is an appropriate present-oriented and short-lived response to a clearly identifiable and specific threat, end quote. Now, according to Mayo Clinic, you know it's an important clinic, these feelings of anxiety and panic, quote, I'm quoting, interfere with daily activities, are difficult to control, are out of proportion to the actual danger, and can last a long time. You may avoid places or situations to prevent these feelings. Symptoms may start during childhood or the teen years and continue into adulthood. The emotional symptoms described by psychology are as follows. A feeling of dread, generalized uneasiness, worry about an impending event, either real or imagined, feelings of guilt, brooding over the potential reaction of other people, raising thoughts that seem uncontrollable and interfere with other necessary mental activities, difficulty concentrating and inhibited involvement in normal activities, also irritability and agitation. I feel, brother, like my mic, my mic is too loud because I get excited and then I'll be screaming. <laughs> Among the physical symptoms described by psychology are the following. Increased heart rate, elevated blood pressure, stomach or intestinal disturbances, increased muscle tension and or trembling, rapid breathing, sweating, difficulty sleeping. So we've heard enough of the world. Let's see what based on the Word of God, what, what is the definition? Well, for starters, anxiety can be described as a vague, unpleasant emotion akin to worry that is experienced in anticipation of some usually ill-defined misfortune. Bible commentators describe anxiety as an uneasy feeling of uncertainty, agitation, dread, or fear. The most common words in Scripture translated as anxious uh, or anxiety are the Hebrew diaga or the Greek merima. Older English versions of the Bible often render these words as thought, worry, or care. Some biblical examples for you to just review about it. Saul's father was anxious about his lost donkeys, and then about Saul's failure to return from looking for them. 1 Samuel 9.5 says, Come, let us go back, lest my father cease to care about the donkeys and become anxious about us. And then the psalmist also confesses that anxiety is great within him, Psalm 94, 19. It says, where the cares of my heart are many, when the cares or where the anxieties, where the preoccupations of my heart are many. But that doesn't mean it's, it's all okay. That doesn't mean it's fine because anxiety is portrayed in Scripture as being inconsistent with, with trusting in God. David prays in Psalm 1. 39, 23, search me, O God, know my heart, test me and know my anxious thought. Jesus' command 
not to worry, which occurs six times in the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew 6, 25 through 33, is coupled with admonitions to trust in the Heavenly Father. Paul urges also in Philippians 4 to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition or supplication with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Anxiety usually or frequently manifests itself in ungodly concern about the provision, the performance, the reputation, and appears to be rooted in incomplete knowledge, lack of control over circumstances, or failure to take an eternal perspective on things. Occasionally, anxiety is also a symptom of guilt, as we see in Psalm 38, 18. I confess my iniquity, says the psalmist. I am sorry for my sin, or I am anxious, or I am preoccupied for my sin. Ultimately, anxiety is a lack of trust in God's sovereignty and fatherly care for us. Let, let's examine the problem a little bit more. What is the source? What is the nature of anxiety according to the world? According to the Mayo Clinic, again, the causes of anxiety, and I quote, disorders, causes of anxiety disorders aren't fully understood. Oh, really? That's interesting from the experts. Life experiences such as traumatic events appear to trigger, appear to, okay, interesting. Well, you, you appear to be dying, interesting. Appear to trigger anxiety disorders in people who are already prone to anxiety. So you're prone to anxiety and... You don't know what causes it. You might, it, it might appear to trigger some things, but they don't know. Inherited traits also can be a factor. Look at what popular psychology page, a popular psychology page says about the source or nature of anxiety. Listen carefully. Quote, because the existential nature of anxiety inextricably links it to the most profound and unanswerable questions of human existence surrounding the meaning of life, death, and who we are in the world. Hence, it's precisely because the true source of our anxiety is so vague and difficult to understand that anxiety is such a challenging emotion. The only problem is that, according to the Bible, we can understand. They claim to be the experts. Like, this is the, the reference they studied to arrive to this conclusion. Because the threats that ultimately, I'm still quoting, induce the highest levels of anxiety are existential rather than immediate. Anxiety tends to be low in intensity, yet chronic. All right? So there's no hope. Deal with it. Get some pills. Keep depending on the doctor for giving you medicines, etc., etc., etc. Meaning, they have no clue. They can't really fix it. They can just give you medicine and deal with the symptoms. Band-Aids. For psychology in general, I quote again, most psychological diagnoses that have worry as the primary feature are grouped under the category of anxiety disorders. They include acute stress disorder, adjustment disorder, agoraphobia, obsessive-compulsive disorder, panic attack, post-traumatic stress disorder, separation anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, social phobia, and specific phobia. Well, what's the point of that? Well, psychology in general is mostly interested in putting symptoms in general categories and 
There's not even agreement among them, and the goalposts keep moving. There's no consensus. Diagnosis only serves to categorize people, not to truly help them. It only serves to label people, but not to truly solve what they are going through. And since we're talking about the source of anxiety, let me say this as a disclaimer. Careful disclaimer. Though I would agree with the Mayo Clinic when it says that sometimes anxiety stems from a medical condition that needs treatment. The conclusion to which they arrive is not accurate, affirming that whatever form of anxiety you have, treatment can help. Have you ever seen a bird with anxiety? Have you ever seen a bird biting his fingernails? They don't have, but for the sake of argument, follow me. <laughs> have you ever? I mean, no. In doing that, and by addressing the topic of anxiety merely from a medical standpoint, they remove any sinful component, any guilt, any trust or lack of trust in God, any putting off, putting on that as believers we should be practicing. For the sake of clarity, and according to the Christian counselor's medical desk reference, quote, the most common medical causes for anxiety are heart attack, and I, some of these I don't know what they mean, but ask Dr. Ruhlman, tell him I sent... Heart attack, hyperthyroidism, mitral valve prolapse, pheochromocytoma, I don't know, I butchered that whole thing, and drug-related problems, as well as other similar conditions. But let us go to the source or nature of anxiety, summarized from the teachings of the Word. Marshall and Mary Asher, biblical counselors, counselors sum it well when they affirm, and I quote, the Bible distinguishes between godly concern and ungodly anxiety and fear. Godly concern is focused on others and on God's glory. Ungodly fear slash anxiety focuses on what might happen to you without consideration of the love, wisdom, and sovereign power of God. Even when anxiety appears to be due to concern for the welfare of another, the underlying attitude may be selfish. In other words, what will I do if she dies? What will happen to my job if he gets elected? End quote. And then they go on to give us examples of godly and ungodly fear. Two examples of godly fear, for example, is the fear of God and the preparedness to face danger. I mean, prepare, right? Characteristics of ungodly fear are as follows. Fear originates in unbiblical thinking. You are not thinking. I am not thinking biblically. Fear is focused on circumstances without regard for God. Fear comes from self-centered thinking. Fear is incompatible with the fear of God. The fear of God dispels ungodly fear. Fear motivates us to commit other sins such as lying or failing to fulfill responsibilities. Worry? as you know, and as we will read and see, accomplishes nothing. Anxiety often arises from guilt, unconfessed sin, far of being found out, fear of the consequences, fear of God's wrath. So what are the, what are the proposed remedies from the world? Having understood the sources of anxieties in both differing worldviews, it's time to address the remedies. What's the patch that they suggest we should use. 
According to Psychology Today, they suggest the following techniques to address your anxiety. Quote, to bring your anxiety down to a more manageable level. What in the world? Notice the recognition that it can't be fully controlled. Consider these three strategies. strategies. First, transform it into acceptance, they say, of what has already transpired, since you can't change the past. Second, reconnect with your ambition to help humanity come together and create a better, safer world. Great, let's hug, let's hug, and Steve will love this. Let's hug and hold hands and let's sing all together. And yeah, we're free of anxiety, yay! Or at least we reduce the levels of anxiety because we hug and we hold hands. Third, take action to transform your vision into your daily reality. They finish saying the following, the remedy for anxiety lies within the nexus of these three strategies. They will help you detect its source, but they said they, they couldn't. Now they say that it will detect its source. And then leverage your personal resources to transform the challenges in your life that underscore your anxiety into opportunities for future growth. That seems like a pep talk for a loser. Pardon my English. <laughs> well, there's that. Really not so clear. Not so tangible. Not really a solution. It's just a band-aid. How sad. We don't, we don't really know, but maybe it could work. I mean, you, I know you're anxious, but you know, use it to improve your career and your personal life. And I know that 10 ladies said no to you, but you know, don't be anxious. Just take it as an opportunity to improve as a man. Okay, great. What can we extract from Scripture of how to address anxiety then? Freedom from anxiety begins with confession that it is not God's will. In fact, anxiety is a subtle insinuation that God is either unable or disinclined to see to our welfare. Other remedies include recognizing the futility of worry. Matthew 6:27 says, "Which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Can you really? Cultivating a growing understanding of God's power and fatherly disposition. Matthew 6, 26 talks about the father who be feeds the birds, and that he cares about us. And trusting to God the things that we cannot control. We simply cannot control. First Peter 5, 7, cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Increasingly viewing things in eternal perspective, Matthew 6, 32 through 34, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And substituting prayer for worry, Philippians 4, you know that one and we'll see it later. Do not be anxious. I'll be intentionally brief here because I want to study closer to texts. But I want to quickly provide a summary of how Scripture helps us really tackle and address our worries and anxieties that will come, that have come, 
that we are going through. So what's the solution? Well, some tips. We must remind that Jesus instructed us not to worry about tomorrow, right? That's what he said. And usually we worry about tomorrow. That's our anxiety. I'm not worried about today, but I'm worried about what will happen tomorrow, and today hasn't even finished. Remember that famous chapter in six, in Matthew chapter 6? We'll read it at the end, and we've been quoting it. We must take one day at a time, and don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Just one step at a time, one day at a time, today before the Lord, having grace for today, not thinking about in 10 years. We must not be anxious, but rather pray. That's where we fail. We are anxious, and then our mind wanders, and then it's just a rabbit trail. Instead of stopping, saying, no, Lord, here I am. Philippians 4. We must cast all our anxiety upon the Lord. That's, that's, that's amazing. No medicine, no doctor promises you that. It's like, okay, throw me all your anxieties. I'll carry them from you. The Lord is actually saying, cast your anxieties. Put them on you. Take off your jacket and put it on me. I will carry it for you. I already did. We must trust the Lord as that is the secret of tranquility. The secret of tranquility is not the absence of problems, the absence of what-ifs. What if the market never recovers? What if inflation keeps going? Psalm 37.7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Again, just like in the morning. It's not, so, it's not for the situations to be fixed, but wait for Him. We must beware that anxiety weighs a person down. You can check Proverbs 12, 25, 14, 30, and 17, 22. So how to win this battle? How do we do it? I mean, secular world, secular worldview doesn't give you anything. You'll have to go and pay for counseling sessions, for therapy, for medicines, and basically it's just like a Band-Aid. There's no hope for you. But what does God say about our anxieties? We've read them. But let's dig in deeper, even if it's uh, a short way. Let's go to Matthew 6, 25, and then we'll go through to Philippians 4. Matthew 6, 25 reads, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. That's a command, right? So if we are anxious, if we let our minds wander we are failing. We are ceasing to trust the Lord with our preoccupations. Do not be anxious about your life, about what you will eat, about what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And it keeps in the argument, it says, is not life more than food and the body, body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Birds are not worried because of their recession. They are simply not. They just sleep, wake up, sing to the Lord, 
do what God has called them to do, find something to eat, keep singing, they expel things. <laughs> and I've never seen one worried. And then it says something very loving. Are you not of more value than they? Are we not? They have not been created by God in his image. You and I have. Will he not care more of you? And this is not like, uh, we're not talking about a utopia, just a, a figurative thing and just inventing or imagining something. God says that he will take care of us, of our needs, not of your newest Porsche that you want. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? We just can't. I mean, yeah, I'm, I need to stay awake because I'm so anxious. I'm so nervous about that exam. Well, you already studied. If you studied, if you prepared, if what? Go to bed. Don't be anxious. Cast your anxieties upon the Lord. You did your best? Trust the Lord. If you fail, who cares? Who hasn't failed? I know many will say, I haven't failed. Well, eventually we all fail. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of this. Flowers are beautiful. Many of you have beautiful gardens and flowers, and it's nice this time, this time of the year. And you are being a vessel of Edification for those flowers. God is using you. God is sending the rain. God is using the rain that you water them with. And the flowers, they have their covering. They have their dresses and they are not worried. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Isaiah 40 talks about how men are like grass. It speaks about a certain uh, phenomenon, weather phenomenon that grass withers. Grass fades because one day it could be green, and then this phenomenon, I forgot the name of it, uh, but one day it can just burn everything. So it was green, and now it's just dead. God is in control of everything. Will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Notice that if we doubt, if we are biting our fingernails, we are sinning against the Lord saying, I, I need to fix this. You are not casting your anxieties upon him. For the Gentiles, it says, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What? The necessary things that you need to leave, the shelter and the food and the dresses and everything. He will take care of you. But oftentimes we spend our nights just wondering and preoccupying and checking our, our bank account and trying to, thinking, trying to think about strategies and trying to everything. And sometimes just nothing because you think you will solve it. And God is waiting till you give up and say, Lord, here I come to cast my anxieties upon you. Because I know that you will lovingly take care of me. 
Seek the fir first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Therefore, it says, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Do not. Do not. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Tomorrow is another story. Tomorrow is tomorrow. Tomorrow is tomorrow. Today you're here. Enjoy. Enjoy the blessing of being at church, of being with your brothers and sisters. Worship. Speak with that brother or sister that you haven't seen. Ask that guy that you see at the back of the church that looks sad. Enjoy. Be present. Tomorrow, we'll figure it out. But not you, but the Lord. Tomorrow, you will cast tomorrow's anxieties upon him. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And then if we go to Philippians 4, it reads, well, even starts in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And Paul is in prison and he's telling them to rejoice. And so I like to put it, another way of describing that command, rejoice always, is verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. To rejoice is to not be anxious about anything. To not be anxious about anything is to rejoice. Because you, your joy is not based on the circumstances. Your, your joy is based upon the Lord. That's why it says, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Not rejoice because you have it figured out or because your savings accounts are awesome or because, because the real estate market went up or because uh, the stock exchange is recovering and then your pension plans, whatever. No. Rejoice in the Lord. In verse 6, it gives like the opposite, but that it complements. It explains. Do not be anxious about anything. Anything. Conjunction. Contrastive. But in everything, everything, by prayer and supplication, so in everything, every opportunity you have, praying, supplicating to the Lord, this is the key with thanksgiving. What do we do? Yeah, I'm casting all of my anxieties upon the Lord, and I'm crying out for Him to help me, and I am begging the Lord to... Have you stopped and thanked Him for all your blessings? Are you doing this with a heart of thanksgiving? Because that's what Philippians say. Cast your anxieties. Do not be anxious about anything. In prayer with, and supplication with thanksgiving. Notice the thanksgiving comes first. Then let your requests be made known to God. What We forget about all that part. We forget about rejoicing and about not being anxious. We just, Lord, please help me. Lord, I'm doing all this and I'm offering and I'm coming to church and I'm doing all these things. And we just present our requests, our claims, our complaints. But we are not coming before him with thanksgiving. What is the result? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you do that, God will fill you with His peace. That doesn't make sense. Supernatural peace. 
because you removed your coat, gave it to him with thanksgiving. And you said, Lord, I do not understand. Maybe I don't like it, but thank you. Help me, please. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we could exposit and just dwell in this text. I've just barely scratched the surface. But what can we draw from these verses? God promises to take care of my physical needs. God commands me not to worry about my future. God wants me to focus on loving and serving Him, seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. God wants me to pray instead of worrying. God wants me to not let my mind dwell on things that are not true. God wants me to focus my thoughts on what He says it's true, and only then will I have the much-desired peace that everyone is looking for, His peace. And then what are some tips that we could use in practice? Memorize scripture. Memorize the verses we've seen today. Transfer, listen, your worry list to your prayer list. You have a lot of things to worry about. Have you thanked the Lord for all of these things? And how all these things will sanctify you? And how he will show you his glory through all these things? And then you pray over these things, trusting him. Count your blessing like the psalmist in Psalm 103. Pray without ceasing, being thankful as you pray. Thank God for past mercies, present mercies, and future mercies, even if the answer is no. But that guards your mind, guards your heart. Discipline yourself and train your mind to focus on objective truth, asking God to forgive you to give you, sorry, peace that surpasses all understanding. I have something here that I want to show you. Can you see it? And you'll have something in the screen as well. This is The Robin and the Sparrow by Elizabeth Cheney. Robin, you know Robins? Little Sparrow. They're having a conversation. Sarah Huff did this. It's amazing. It's a... Good little old poem that I memorized as a very young guy. I loved it. Written in 1859, said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and for me. Sparrow teaches us a great lesson. Sometimes it feels like we have no heavenly father, right? At least that's how we act. Giving public testimony that we shouldn't. People surrounding us see us that maybe we don't have a heavenly father. And maybe they see us at that, in, like in that conversation from the robin to the sparrow and vice versa. The good news is that we do. We do have a heavenly father. If you're in Christ, you have a heavenly Father who cares for you and me much more than the birds. So we must not worry. We must not be anxious for anything. Just want to read you three more texts that hopefully you're encouraged by them. Psalm 19, 4, 19 reads, 
when the cares, when the anxieties of my heart are many. And I understand many of you are that. You have cares and worries and sick relatives and hypertension and financial difficulties. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Nothing will soothe our hearts more than going to the objective truth of the word. It's not the church. It is not a denomination. It's not the words of a preacher who cares about all these things. What we should care is about the only reliable source of wisdom, his word. Proverbs 12:25 reads, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Don't let anxiety weigh you down. It's heavy. Don't do it by yourself. Seek help from the Lord, but also let us know so that you don't do it together. Sorry, you don't do it alone, but we do it together. Ask your friend, ask your brother, ask your sister. We all as a church ought to, do, to be doing the work of the ministry. We all need to be doing the one another. 1 Peter 5, 6, 8 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Notice that it says, under the mighty hand of God. Because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Again, I will ask you to stand. Asking you to stand up with me. So that we can pray together to the Lord. And so that we can finish singing together. Let us ask for the Lord to forgive us in the many ways we and you and I have failed to trust him. Think about those occasions that you have failed to trust him, that maybe right now it's happening. Let us pray that he can hold us fast, that he, that he can sustain us. Let us pray that in the future when we face trials or when we are tempted to put our trust in something else or be anxious about anything, that we would be able to seek him alone and find shelter and refuge in his arms. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Sovereign Lord, Almighty God and Father, forgive us because we don't always trust you. Your word and your plans for our lives, we don't trust it. We don't like it sometimes, and we don't trust. Lord, we acknowledge that anxiety is sin, and that when we are feeling anxious, we are believing that the Almighty can't care for us, and we are rejecting the divine provision and providence in our lives. Lord, allow us to be willing to submit to your will and embrace with joy your agenda for our lives. This will give us joy and peace and will bring much glory to your name. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.